0: Hello, welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to tune in. Now let's check out a replay of this past Sunday's message titled Summer in the Minors, Week 5. My last day to just like a kid. Okay, so I've enjoyed this series immensely. I love baseball probably more than I love any other sport besides football and basketball and tennis. All right. So Micah 6.8, this is where we're going today. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Today's minor prophet being called up is Micah, and his story is found in his self-titled book. And it's and, and just like we saw in this video. Micah says, listen, even when circumstances are difficult, do not quit, I believe today's message is literally a message for someone it's going to be a home run for you right it's not a sermon today this is a message that will hopefully help clarify your purpose and have you step up and swing away in that batter's box because we got to remember that prophets were god's mouthpiece to the people so in their time god spoke to a prophet and this prophet spoke to the people so what was the world like during micah's time well, it was a reflection very much so of 2023. I'm promising you, this is this is like the more that I studied it this week, it is, it's like looking at our current culture. In Micah's day, Jerusalem was under siege. So currently, if you look at major US cities, right? San Francisco, Chicago, New York, they're under siege from just gangs and mobs and insane violence. Uh, looting this week, the smash and grabs hit an all time high. Uh, businesses are being forced to close down permanently uh, because there is no law there's one dude this week I don't know if you saw the video or not but his 7-eleven that he is the franchisee owner he got destroyed man and this guy comes in and he just was sick of it so he grabbed a stick and stopped the guy from stealing a rolling trash can full of everything in his store and just beat the living daylights out of him and sent him on his way now I watched that video and I thought, hey, that's quite funny. And I watched it over and over and over again. But then I thought that looter's probably going to come back. And he's probably going to bring some friends. And he's going to probably finish the vendetta that he has against this guy. So I look at this and and there's so much crime. And cops can't get there in time because we don't got enough of them. Because our culture has disrespected them and defunded them and done away with police officers. So in Micah's day... We're very much seeing 2023 played out just like he did then. So in Micah's day, rulers. Rulers were self-serving and corrupt. Oh, my Lord. All right, here comes the soapbox. Currently in the United States, everyone's just vying for power they don't really care and especially like when an election year is coming up they're not really caring about the people they just want to be in charge and so we don't know if the politicians are telling the truth we don't know if the media is telling the truth because people have redefined truth men are women women are men abortion is just a form of birth control it's not murder right and our top two presidential contenders, one is like seriously in trouble and getting indicted right and left, whether it's just or not, I don't know. And the other one has some kind of creepy, like crazy family cover up that's going down. And, and, and he got some uh, a touch of the Alzheimer's. It is a mess, right? Whatever way you look at it. And in Michael's time, the leaders, they did not care about the people and they definitely didn't care about the Lord. Currently in our day, man, laws are forgotten. Truth has become relative. In Micah's day, people began to actually forsake the Lord like their leaders. They were quitting on Jehovah God. Currently, post-pandemic, we're still living through this one-third of the church who's decided to walk away and not return. This church before 2020 was triple the size. And it, we're seeing a slow return. So, I mean, it's good, but like that, that, that breaks my heart. And you know what the generation that's getting caught on fire for the Lord? College? They're the ones seeking God's face, but their parents have all quit. So as Mike it's Mike's time really looks like our time. And if people didn't care then, then this Minor Prophets book is warning us, if we do not humble ourselves, if we do not seek the Lord, if we do not pray for healing, then guess what? We're gonna end up in the exact same mess that their culture was dealing with. And we are going to turn out just like Micah's time. And I don't want to be that church. I'm saying today, today's the time. I'm telling you this is a pivotal point in history in which we as believers have to take a stand. It's time to show up to church. It's time to invest into relationship with God and relationship with others and relationship with God's people. This is the time where we are to give love and give love away like relentlessly more than you ever have in your entire life. It has to be priority. He has to be priority. This church, your church, your church people have to become priority. Do not quit. Do not succumb to the culture. Do not turn on the Lord. You keep showing up. You keep experiencing the renewing and awesome power of God, the Holy Spirit-filled presence of God that has been so permanent and so relevant and so prevalent today. I'm telling you, start serving. Start giving. If you're doing it already, would you please find some passion for why you were doing already what you're doing? Get excited about what you're giving. Get excited about how you're serving because you are the one that is actually changing the culture. What you are doing is not obligatory it is praiseworthy. And so keep loving even when people do not love you back. Even when people blast you and rip you and make fun of you in Jesus' name, for Jesus' name, do not quit. You keep pushing forward and we can begin to build a new and better culture by exhibiting the love and by practicing the love of Jesus Christ. Now here, here's where Micah steps in and this depressing scenario that I've laid out for you gets a flip everybody say hope see that's what I love about that's what I love about the word of God like he might be saying like this is what's this is the reality here's a reality check but he always he's he's always promising that with him doing things the right way choosing righteousness the narrow path will always bring for us hope Micah says from the a small backwoods kind of place called Bethlehem a leader is going to rise Micah is the one that prophesies that a leader is going to establish a a ministry a kingdom of peace a kingdom a place of justice and a place of mercy the kingdom that Micah prophesied is not some kind of afterlife heaven type kind of thing he says no 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 the kingdom of this world someone is showing up and he is going to show up and he will be for all people he says and while we're waiting you don't just sit by idly you don't just sit and wait for leaders uh, of this kingdom to appear he said instead demonstrate the characteristic of this kingdom in your everyday life you prepare for his coming now i say the same to you if you have not opened your eyes lately christ is returning soon you need to live your life right now i need to live my life right now with kingdom principles being lived out all the time see we have to be prepared for jesus's imminent return in his book micah he is prophesying that that there's a messiah that's going to come right it's the first time that jesus would step out of heaven and enter this earth but for us it can be applied for this principle that we must be looking for his return the second coming of christ see the world seems to be going at the same rate at the same place that micah was living in they needed rescue we need a rescuer we need jesus to come back and in this darkness after micah spoke there was 400 years of silence from the lord nothing to his people then bam, Jesus showed up. Jesus said in Luke 17, 34 to 37, I tell you, on that night, two people, one was gonna be in bed, the other one's gonna be taken, and the other one left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one's gonna be taken, and the other one's gonna be left. This is a wake-up call. That Christ is coming back sooner than you want to anticipate, than we want to think about. And so we all have to be In the mindset that his return is imminent. And so if you live like that, then we had better take inventory of what's going on in our head and our heart. And we most definitely need to be seeking out those who are walking around in darkness and bring them to the light of Christ before it's too late. I talked about it last week. I'm telling you, something is up. The Lord is stirring. The Lord is you're going to hear messages that all start tying into one to another to another because I believe that God is, God is up to something, and he's calling us to revival. But, but how do you even deal with that in this day and age? Like How do we get people to even listen to the message? Because I believe that Micah has something to say about that for us today. I think there's a key to that in chapter 6, starting at verse 8. Here's how we do this. You want to get a hold of the culture, you act justly. You stand for truth. There's nothing wrong with standing for truth. There is only one truth, and it is the word of God. It's not my truth. It's not their truth. It's not your truth. It is the truth. And he says, you love mercy. You stand up for compassion. And then we walk humbly with our God. Standing for holiness, it's not, it's not, has. It doesn't have to be done with arrogance. It's not a finger-pointing, judgmental kind of looking on the outside of people that don't know God or who are clueless about relationship with Jesus and then picking out all their faults. No, 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 no. Jesus did not come into the world to point fingers and to judge it, but he came to the world to save it. So that should be our intention. Is anybody sensing that God is saying something in the last few weeks? I really feel like it's my job to prepare you for what is ahead. There's something new happening. And I'm prepping you to move you along with me to the next series that starts next week. It's called Outreach, Community City World. And it is a series that's going to change the entire face of Genesis Church. So the time that I have left with you today I'm going to work on some prep work with you. And I'm going to work only on step two of what Micah says. Here's how you reach the culture. Love mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is choosing to show compassion, choosing to show forgiveness towards somebody. When you already have the right to punish them, meaning I could bust you, but instead I'm going to bless you. That's a T-shirt, right? I'm not busting, I'm blessing. That's a T, write that down. Somebody, Tabitha, write something down for me. If you haven't seen the new fall lineup, you need to get on Bonfire right now. Go to Genesis, get you some Genesis bag. Listen, God's mercy means that there's compassion and there's kindness towards people when they don't deserve it. His mercy shows up in the moment of salvation. When you accept it, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you experience mercy you experience grace and then god continues to show mercy in our christian journey every single day every single time that we mess up we blow it he picks us up dusts us off moves us on and instead of whooping me for sinning which i deserve he forgives me and gives me life instead of taking mine all because jesus's mercy triumphs over judgment now, but to understand mercy we have to understand the implications of justice so let me give you some kingdom theology 101 so god's kingdom was established on earth by the death and the resurrection and the entire life that jesus led here okay so that means he called people to repentance that means that we just turn away from what we were doing, and we move towards the right way of living, right? We turn away from sinful behaviors, destruction of our lives, And then we take on this new perspective of life that sounds completely different from the old life. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. So repentance simply means I'm gonna leave my old life, my old pattern, my old ways, and I'm gonna follow after what Jesus Christ says is good for me. Why? Because he is my creator and only the creator can tell the creation what is best for him or for her. Make sense? He's the designer, he knows what's good for us. So what is this path that I'm supposed to go after? All y'all over here, you're on the narrow path. Good job. Everybody else, y'all sinners. All right. I just keep looking over here. You're the holy section today. The answer is the, the path that I go after is the one that Jesus walked. So I find all my instructions in the source of truth, which is the word of God. And I choose to start living that reality. God's kingdom. A.K.A. God's way of doing things. Make sense? God's kingdom equals God's way of living. If that makes sense to you, say amen. So if you've never known what the kingdom of God, are we talked about kingdom building and all, that's what it means. It means to live out the way that God designed us to live out like it is in heaven, but here on earth, right? So I'm not living my old, old reality, of the old ways that I was doing And now I'm going to walk in a new reality, which is God's kingdom, God's way of living, God's way of operating in my day-to-day walking around mundane, sometimes exciting, everyday kind of life. So now in God's kingdom, God's ways are always going to be counter-cultural. They will be flipped upside down from what you have learned that the culture tells you is good and right, right? So if you look very often, kingdom living is the exact opposite of what you're gonna see on social media or in the news or in movies or streaming on netflix right for example god's kingdom is based on mercy and the grace of the cross but the world says you've screwed up i cancel you you're dead meat burn it all to the ground dumpster fire right that is not how god operates let me show you if you are a believer you first experience god's mercy when you accepted him into your life and experienced salvation how well i deserve death for my old ways my old sin romans 6 23 simply says for the wages of sin is death that means the cost of sinning equals my death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord meaning the payoff of sin somebody's got to die what does that mean justice requires payment Sin equals death. But instead of us dying, Jesus stepped in and died in our place. He took my punishment. He took what was going to be paid out. He took that, and that's justice, man. And it was all on him. And instead, he stepped in and gave us mercy at the same time. How is that justice? Because your sins were paid for because Jesus died. How is that mercy? You didn't have to pay for it. So, what does that look like like if you own that if you understand that how then does god's kingdom work right now so this is where we're going to jump in to some action if you are a believer if you experience the mercy of god if you own that mercy then we have to live like christ lived because we've experienced and god says if i've given it to you you give it away If God's way of doing things on earth is radically different than what our culture has told us, what they have taught us to believe, how they have taught us to behave, then Jesus says, Scotty, you better go and do the opposite. You better look and you better live and you better eat and breathe how I lived on this earth and go do the same. So all of us, man, we have to start sharing this justice thing and this mercy thing with our neighbors. And explain what that looks like. You didn't just exhibit it every time that you meet someone. You have to speak the truth. There still needs to be law. <laughs> so me saying justice is trumped by mercy does not mean that that you do away with with, with boundaries and rules, because that doesn't even make any sense. That's not how God operates. But it means that you you do not back down. In your belief system and in your faith you do not water down the Word of God you do not waver just because 2023 says guess what that's not relevant anymore because we know that the truth is always relevant and if they know the truth the truth will do what set them free it takes those blinders off right but what if instead of getting all preachy and judging on somebody you applied in those sticky situations that you're in mercy and then maybe you will just get to experience some jesus kind of results what do i mean well in his life in his ministry jesus taught and he demonstrated that all people have value everybody has value everybody has purpose all people are loved by god jesus touched the sick he went to places that nobody else would go to. The camps where everybody got kicked out on the outside, the outskirts of town, the lepers, the, they had body parts falling off, that they were unclean. Nobody, that's who Jesus would go. He would go to the gross places and lay hands on people, forgive them, heal them. He associated himself with women who struggled at the time for rights in the culture. Jesus did not care. He straight up had conversations with them. He connected with them all the time. He allowed them to become part of his ministry. Listen, if it wasn't for the the women financially supporting the ministry of Jesus Christ, it would not have been. Jesus broke down the artificial barriers, too, that were created by these religious leaders. Jesus included people like the Samaritans, the Gentiles, the non-chosen people, the non-Jews, the ones who were not considered to be the chosen people of God even though he was the Jewish Messiah Jesus did not care he came for all all the world so he went after people who worshiped other gods he went after people who were breathing and drinking the kool-aid of culture for Jesus there was no us versus them mentality there was only them who needed him And we need to adopt that same kind of thinking. Are you hearing me, church? Do you see the parallel? We're living in a day where everybody has been pitted up against each other, right? And Jesus said, that's not how you're supposed to operate. That's not how you're supposed to look at people and talk to people and love people. That's not how God's kingdom functions. Jesus did not create the us versus them culture. Jesus wants you to reach out to those corrupted those out drawing and drinking in the culture. That's what he says is the right kind of kingdom mentality. We can't say, hey, don't, don't associate with those people. They hate God. Or don't talk to that group. They don't, they don't like Jesus. If we do that, do you realize that you're missing out on the calling that we talked about that is on every single one of you in this room? That's on me as well? What did Jesus come to do? He came to do what? Seek and save the lost. Somebody listen then, Row number two. That's what happens when you sit up front. All right. And, and then you never talk to them because they're like, well, they're different than me or they don't think like I do. And then guess what? You, then you never bridge the gap of reaching that particular person or that particular group who doesn't know the truth. God went after all people. So should we. Jesus' death and resurrection was meant for every single person. The gospel of John says it so beautifully in John 3, 16, 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, anybody that believes on him is not going to perish, not going to die, but she will have everlasting life, eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. My friend, love mercy. Love mercy over demanding justice for someone else's sin. So what does it mean to truly love by showing mercy instead of demanding justice? Well, we have to explore what God's word says, and we're going to see what loving mercy is all about. So he is the one that created mercy. This is his concept. This is his idea. You read about it in the book of Lamentations, and this is what it says. The faithful love of the Lord never ends God's love is never going to quit it's never going to run out it's never going to drop off a cliff it never ends and his mercies never cease thank you Lord mercy and love are always linked with God why because God is love God declared his love for us and nothing is ever going to change his love for us it is God's decision to love you and Jesus wants to love Jesus loves everybody and wants you to love him. See, Jesus wants to see none lost, zero, zip, zilch, no one left behind. So with that, we see that it is his choice that he has given this thing to us called mercy. And then it is our choice whether we are going to dish out that same kind of mercy and have his perspective. Let me give you an example. How many of y'all have kids? All right, that's a lot. As a parent, when they get older, you're going to have to keep choosing to love them. <laughs> oh, teenagers. Are mine in the room? Yes. No, they are not. Okay, sweet. So they're going to test your will. They're going to test your patience. They're going to test your ability to not drop a hammer on them 100% of the time. They're sweet now, right? We love our kids, right? But you still got to discipline them. If you never face discipline or consequences, you're never gonna understand what mercy is at all. Will you? Right? But we give our kids mercy a lot. They don't think so, but we do. Because they do the dumbest, most irritating, irresponsible kind of stuff on planet earth, right? And we as parents, we can lock every single one of you teenagers in your room and never see the light of day just shove a piece of bread under the door. We're gonna back over your car and reverse and go forward, reverse and go forward. But instead, we love you. And we give you a break instead of breaking you in half. So before Bill Cosby was a sicko pervert, good lead in from your pastor, right? I loved the Cosby show. Heathcliff Huxtable was like the ultimate coolest TV dad. I grew up with him and I loved him because Theo, Denise, they were all screw ups. Especially Theo, he would do the dumbest stuff and then Cliff would look at him and give him these eyes. And he would say, boy, you better get a job to pay for that, right? Many times we wanna shake our kids, we wanna scream and say, "Mm, you're gonna get a job to pay for that, right? But we choose to love you kids even when you were so unbelievably difficult. Like when you wreck the car because you're sneaking out at night. I didn't do that, I don't know what you're talking about. But parents have to choose to love you you're going to get a job to pay for that right but eventually we let you drive again we find out what secret social apps are installed on your phone that you're not allowed to have that you have kind of jailbroken yourself through the parent protections and we see your stupid leaks on the internet we choose to love you we we could take your life but we let you keep it instead right When you mouth off and you disrespect people and you have not been raised ever to talk to anybody like that, much less adults, we choose to love you. We choose not to go to jail because we're not going to prison shank you. Listen, love is a decision. Love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. Although feelings go along with love, that's not love. Love and mercy, they go hand in hand. And we choose to love someone with mercy. That means when they don't deserve it, we apply grace and mercy and forgiveness and kindness, even though sometimes they're just rotten. There are people in your life. There are family members who have burned you. There are coworkers who have wronged you. There are spouses who have damaged you. But there is also a God If you are a believer who lives on the very inside of you and he says, I have forgiven you, so you go and forgive them. Show them kindness instead of hate. Give them respect instead of retaliating. God's love was shown in the life and the death and the resurrection of his boy, Jesus. And he gave his kid up for you. We didn't deserve that. And just like a parent, God also demonstrates his love for us by providing the truth of his word, our daily bread, all that you ever need every day, the food, the clothing, the job, the shelter, all the blessings that you have in life comes down from the Father of lights. So all of this, out of just his fatherly love for you, it all goes back to his divine goodness and mercy. So here's the crux of it all. Even though we rebelled against God, God still loves us. So he wants you to love rebellious people like that. Your friends, your kids, your family, your strangers. Paul writes in his letter to Romans, but God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, while we were the God haters, while we were the ones walking around in dark, while we were the ones rebelling against everything that he had written saying, this is the boundary, this is the protection for your life. And we blew it off and said, nope. My way's better. He says, no, 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 no. Even though you are in that right now, I still died for you, whether you would ever want me back. Experiencing God's love and mercy, when that stuff hits you, it is life-changing. So in the same way, experiencing God's love and mercy out of us, from us, to somebody else, it's life-changing to them, for that person. It helps them see God. God. Your mouthpiece is not only the representation of what the Lord says, but everything that you do, how you respond, how you love, how you act, how you give, how you serve, how you love, how you show mercy all shines back on him. So how have you shown mercy this week to someone who did not deserve it? Think about it. Have you done that? Some of you can't because you're like, well, they they don't deserve it, Pastor Scott. I can't show loving mercy the way that they're acting. You don't see what they're tweeting about me. You don't see how this group's trying to rewrite history. You don't see how no one ever over here is standing up for this injustice. You don't hear how they're talking about my president. You don't see how they disrespect my race or my appearance. You don't see how they mock my disability. You don't see how those kids bully my kid. You don't see how she stabbed me in the back. You You don't see how church people scarred me. You don't see. You don't see. Hear me. You can find sin and hate and fault everywhere. But God still says, choose love. Choose mercy. Why? Because we didn't deserve the mercy of the cross, did we? But God gave it to us. And if we are kingdom minded and we are kingdom people, then we are to live like Jesus said to live his way. So that means that we've got to do what Jesus did. So I'm calling out to you like Michael called out to the people in his time. And here's what I want you to hear. Live with principles of the kingdom that are not of this world. Romans 12 two tells you that you've got to every single day get in the word of God and let it flip the script in your mind, that it needs to rewrite what has been told to you and thrown at you 24 seven from your phone, pinging, going off, because it's not the truth. The word of God says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you were not renewing your mind, you're not going to understand grace or mercy because you're gonna blow off what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross it'll be just story instead of the way that you live. But we are called to live to spread love. We are called to live to foster unity. We are, we are called to live <laughs> every day showing compassion, showing mercy to others, even when that person or even when that group doesn't deserve it. And that's a monumental, huge kind of task to ask. So how do I even start? I'm gonna give you three short things. And if you're gonna take notes, write furiously because I'm wrapping up and I'm wrapping up fast. Practical steps. How do I do this? How do I live my life when God says, hey, love mercy? Don't just kind of like hear it, understand it, and he says, jump in it both feet. Get it all over you. Love that mercy. How do you do that? One, you start and you start small. That's it. Start small. You do not have to fly to Chicago and get in between the two gangs and get people to stop shooting each other. But it might require you to step out of your comfort zone and you gotta figure out how to talk to your friend again who you've cut off because their politics just drive you insane. You've cut people out of your life because they watch CNN or they listen to Fox News. Oh my gosh, get a grip. Reconnect with the person. Just stop talking about politics. You start small. You send a text to somebody that you've been avoiding. Start small. Go give that homeless dude a, a large fry and a Coke from Mickey B's on the corner. Start small. Talk to the person with green hair in your office that is nothing like you. Start small. Help your kids clean their room so that they can start off the school year fresh, even though you've yelled at them all summer long to clean up their gunk. Mercy. My point is that there are these opportunities there all around you guys. And it, it doesn't have to be this huge thing that shakes the earth, but I'm telling you, it might shake the earth for somebody else. All around us are people of individuals and groups who need to hear and experience the kingdom of God by our words and our actions. How else do we love mercy? Well, we start exhibiting humility. Everybody say humility. This concept is like completely lost in our culture. Everything is about me, 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 me. Look at me, look how great I am, and let me put this filter on it and make myself even look greater. Micah spoke out against the kings of the time, the leaders of the time, because they were self-centered. Everything was about them. They were were self-serving, right? They didn't care about the people. Micah envisioned a different kind of leader. His leader came from this dinky, small, nowhere kind of town called Bethlehem and he was gonna show up and he was going to be a servant and he was going to walk humbly among the people. Jesus had every right to have palaces and royal robes and servants, but Jesus took on a life of service. Romans says he came here to serve and not to be served and lay his down. lay down his life lay down his everything as a ransom for many jesus died a humiliating and excruciating death choosing in that moment not to exercise his right as god to stop it or to punch back he chose not to command legions of angels to come down and just whoop everybody and pull them off the cross That is kingdom thinking. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not exercise control over other people. It's not about getting my way. I have to be right. Why? Because God is love. And this is what love is love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It's not. Up. It does not dishonor others. It's not self seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. Why? Because truth sets people free. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. It does not quit. Church, we've got to wrap ourselves around that mentality. How do we love mercy last way? You start now, and you don't quit. You persevere. First John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. How did he live? What did he show up to do? Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's your job. That's your number one calling. He did it. If we're claiming to be claiming to be believers, we do the same. James 1, 22. but don't just listen to God's word. You gotta do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. You're just pretending that you're a believer. Stop pretending, stop playing church. Wake up church, be the church. It's not a building, it's you. Our job is to live like Jesus lived. It's an action. Today is a call to action for us to just open up our eyes and see this messed up world that's around us. Your community, your city, your world desperately needs you. Your neighbors need you. Your family needs to hear the truth of God. Stop being afraid to share it with them. If they reject them, they're they're rejecting Jesus, not you. But take the chance. Your old church friends that are not, there are no butts in the seats next to you because guess what? They chose the beach over Jesus all summer long, drag them back into church. I don't care if you have to pick them up, they need you. Don't let them drift. If you get out of the habit of doing something, then it becomes less and less a priority to your life. If you're missing someone, you're like, hmm, I haven't seen them in a long time. Your pastor is giving you permission to throw them into a van and drag them to church. In Jesus' name, of course. We'll just have Stephanie sing that song over it while you're doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't blame me that one on the Holy Spirit. You can blame that one on me. Listen, Micah 6, 8. What does what the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. It's time to live counter-culturally. It's time to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. And you start today. It's, it's love is an action. It is a verb. It is living like Jesus. It's kingdom leaving. Don't put it off. Once you begin, never let love and mercy end. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday online at 929 on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person at 4070 Mission Road right here in Tallahassee. Our Sunday experiences are at 929 a.m. and 1101 a.m. Have a great day and remember, know Christ and make him known.